The reading this morning is from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 34, and again, verses 53 to 56. The phrases are from the Common English Bible. So the apostles returned to Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. Many people were coming and going, so there was no time to eat. He said to the apostles, come by yourself to a secluded place and rest for a while. They departed in a boat themselves for a deserted place. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them, so they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When Jesus and his disciples had crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret, anchored the boat and came ashore. People immediately recognized Jesus and ran around that whole region, bringing sick people on their mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, villages, cities, or farming communities, they would place the sick in the marketplaces and beg him to allow them to touch even the hem of his clothing. Everyone who touched Jesus was healed. The word of God for the people of God. All right, and here's Ashley for the sermon. Good morning, everyone. Hello, um, my name is Ashley Bear, and I'm a pastor in the Presbytery of the Twin Cities area, but I'm actually calling you today from Tucson, Arizona. Um, and I think that you all can see me, but I'm gonna take a moment to switch into gallery for myself so I can see you. Um, it's pleasant to be in the same time zone with you all this morning as a person who's coming from Minneapolis um, and an absolute pleasure to spend this time together. And as we begin reflecting on the word, I invite you all to pray with me. God, we give thanks for your living word. May the words I speak be those you want spoken and the things we hear be those you want heard. Open our hearts as we seek to encounter you today. Amen. This passage from Mark is today's lectionary passage. The lectionary is a pre-selected assortment of scripture passages that can be used over a period of time. The Presbyterian Church USA usually uses the revised lectionary, which is what we are reading today, and which selects passages to cover a three-year period of time. I tend to use it when I'm a guest in the community like today because there's something kind of cool about reading a passage with thousands of other people all around the world. And it usually challenges me in some way to think about what's in scripture. Like this passage from Mark 6, it's an interlude between the death of John, which is found in Mark 6 just before this passage we read, and the conflict with the Pharisees who confront Jesus after they encounter the disciples with unwashed hands, which is in chapter seven. And also you may have noticed that we read two chunks 
30 to 34 and 53 to 56. And what's in between is a feeding of 5,000 people and Jesus walking on water on the way to where he lands, where we find him in Gennesaret. So apparently we'll get to those verses another time. Now the selectors have paired these two selections for us to focus on, which is interesting. So what's happening here? At this point in Mark's gospel narrative, the ministry of Jesus is at a peak point. We can tell by the way he's describing the crowds, right? Quote, many people were coming and going. Many people saw them and recognized them. Jesus saw a large crowd. People immediately recognized Jesus and ran around that whole region, bringing together people wherever he was. And while people are coming from everywhere, people are coming and going, the disciples have returned from meeting more people in other places. And Jesus says to them, go rest for a while. And they do. Then the scripture picks back up in Gennesaret, where the people are coming to find healing. At first glance, this passage is a pair of transitional texts moving the reader from one story to the other, ending with another telling of a healing time. If you've read or even skimmed through the gospels, you've likely heard about healing times happening at many points in all of the gospel narratives. But something interesting in this chosen passage from Mark is the pairing of a call for rest alongside moments of healing. So today I would like to explore together what it could mean for us to hear this call from Jesus for rest and healing. What do you think of when you hear the word rest? You can use the chat if you have something you'd like to share. What do you think of when you hear the word rest? I usually think of like a vacation, holiday, yoga, prayer, naps, yes. <laughs> Restoring quiet time, yeah. Laying, taking a moment. These are all good resting times. I usually think of being lazy, relaxing. Reading a book is restful for me. Um, it helps me leave my body in one position for a while and let my thoughts escape to somewhere else. Connecting with nature, yes, very restorative. I also think of napping. I know that was shared a couple times. Sleep, mostly, it's a good rest. This past week, I read an article in Wired Magazine called The Pandemic Changed Sleep Habits. I'm wondering if anybody else read it. Um, and it said that a study out of the University of Colorado reported that over this past year, a little over a year now, as people have been working and attending school from home, mostly, it's estimated that people have been sleeping about 30 minutes longer every day. Does that sound about right to you? <laughs> our sleep has really been shaped by our priorities in a day. One of the researchers shared that, quote, what it really says is that our work is a really powerful determinant of our sleep behavior. In other words, work schedules fundamentally change how and when people sleep, often causing them to sleep less and rise earlier 
than they would if they were just following their own circadian rhythm. We should consider the growing body of evidence that suggests that scheduling the workday to optimize sleep cycles would be better for people's physical and psychological health. And the article went on to say that when we don't get enough sleep, mistakes happen. Sleep deprivation can increase the likelihood of medical error and car crashes. It can make it harder to process emotional information or be empathetic. Working against a rest cycle can be bad for physical health too. It can increase the risk of developing cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes and colorectal cancer, end quote. So even those 30 extra minutes can make drastic improvements in a person's overall well-being. And ultimately, as I suggested, the pressure to get up early, to work long hours, the idea that work is more important to sleep and more important than rest is more social than biological. We actually like to sleep and rest. Our bodies need it. Something I took away from that article and from also being a pers person living and observing through these past 18 months is that people have been expected to still work at full capacity and be productive even during a global health crisis. And personally, I wonder if many of the people that were researched in that study were either students at that university or people working salary jobs with a lot of internal structure. You know, what has this looked like for people who were unemployed or underemployed with very re little relief or certainty about how they would find work next, how they would care for their families and loved ones, how they would get food on the table and pay their bills. That's not exactly restful. And to take it a level deeper, this past year has exposed a lot to us about our lifestyle and daily habits and what we prioritize, just like the article mentioned about social pressures of work and production, which sometimes we do in the church too. But there are also levels of stress and anxiety that burden some of us and or our neighbors all of the time. The oppressive aches of poverty, racism, ableism, classism, sexism, are not just a part of the pandemic, of course, but persistent harms that today, speaking as a white woman, I can only imagine would make it very hard to rest on a daily basis. I had a conversation earlier this year with a colleague about how we rest our bodies and we rest our minds. Because it's one thing to rest the body, like we all mentioned here, liking sleep, liking nap, naps, laying on the beach, resting the body. It's a different thing to be able to rest the mind and feel at rest. And it's on this point that I find the scripture passage from to Mark today an interesting one because the people who were coming to Jesus were those needing healing, needing comfort, living in illness, hunger, poverty, and oppression by the state. And those things really affect our ability to rest. 
can you relate to this? Is there anything going on in your life that's really affecting your ability to rest? Family stuff, money, any kind of uncertainty that occupies a part of your mind. When we rest our bodies, we go into the mind. Sometimes when I go out for a walk or a run, I can feel a sense of rest in my body, but then my mind goes active because there are things lingering there. Have you ever lied in bed at night and your body is laying down and resting, but your mind is going a million miles an hour? Rest comes with some assurances. And what happens if we don't ever rest? We burn out. I think of that Wired article. We make errors. We lose our ability to empathize. We get illnesses. Our bodies can't function well. We will find ourselves needing healing. Rest is necessary. We can't survive without it. I follow an Instagram account called the Nap Ministry. And I will find um, a time before we end today to share a link because it's a great, and you don't have to have an Instagram account to, to view it, um, but it's a great page. I highly recommend looking at it if you haven't yet. The mission of this account is to bring attention to what they call quote unquote grind culture, which believes that humans are socially made to be machines that work for someone else. And that's culturally our main purpose in life, to work, to live. And to that, the NAP ministry says no. The NAP ministry examines what they call the liberating power of rest. Their slogan is rest is resistance. And they believe that rest is a form of resistance and they name rest deprivation as a racial and social justice issue. One, one post from their account that I have saved on my phone reads, rest is not a luxury or a privilege. It is a human right. The more we think of rest as a luxury, the more we buy into systemic lies. We, meaning the NAP ministry, will never donate our bodies to capitalism. We will never donate our bodies to white supremacy. Let us remember rest as reparations and rest as a form of resistance. This work is about uplifting. Rest can help us get there. It gives us the space to embody and live in divinity. I find this very powerful. To witness rest as a liberating power, as a resistance, and as the NAP ministry offers, as reparations by honoring rest as a human need and a human right, which some are denied. And when I think about rest like that, it really shifts the lens through which I view the mission of the gospel. Rest, as we read this morning, is a call from Jesus. And true rest requires some things. Just as the NAP ministry boldly states, for everyone to be able to rest, we do need to look at how rest deprivation is a racial and social justice issue. I can't help but read this passage from Mark now and wonder if rest isn't an ingredient we've been ignoring for too long. 
if rest isn't the thing that will help us clear our minds and intentions, if rest isn't the thing that communities that have been long oppressed have been calling for for so long, rest from financial insecurity, rest from institutional and daily acts of racism, rest from conflict and war, rest from imprisonment, rest from undiagnosed illnesses because of lack of health insurance, rest from educational superiority. Look this week at what's been happening with protests in Cuba, with DACA. Where else is there a call for rest, rest, rest? Think about the full scope of what it costs us when we don't rest. And when people are in circumstances where there is little to no rest, what would happen if like other human rights, we gave full attention to the liberating power of rest? Maybe we can start this now by acting on what that would mean for ourselves and by ensuring that those around us know that we value them and their rest as a ministerial priority. As much as justice is a spiritual discipline, so is rest and ensuring that those around us can rest and live. Jesus tells the disciples, go rest. And in verse 33, many people saw them leaving and recognized them. So the disciples ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. That could be read a couple of ways, but Imagine that the disciples ran ahead. So when people came to them, they knew that at the peak of ministry, they had rested. And that the healing that was happening was paired with a time of rest, rest and healing, rest and liberation. Rest is a part of ministry. And I find this incredibly encouraging and loving that we have a God who values rest as a priority, even when the moment is rich, when our ministry is peaking, when the work is ripe, and all that you've longed for comes together so well, you just wanna keep going. Love yourself and love others well enough to last and rest. It is both a blessing to us and a call to action as Jesus calls for rest. Let us pray together. God, may we enter into this day and the days to come renewed by the spirit to keep ourselves spiritually minded towards the life of the gospel. The life-giving ways that call us to value each human being for all that they are and can be to bring thriving to the world through the ways we share our gifts and the ways we find our collective rest. Amen.